I'm Amy Mongeta, and this is Conversations with an Email Guru, a podcast dedicated to helping startups grow their businesses through best-in-class email marketing. Every single week, I'll be talking to you about email strategies and best practices to help you understand, develop, and exhaust your email channel to reach more customers. You can do this, and I'm here to show you how. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Conversations with an Email Guru. I'm your host, Amy Mongeta, and we are going to take the time today to focus on the balance between beauty and function with your email. And luckily, I spoke with Anne Tomlin. Um, She is a very gifted email designer and developer um, and runs her own company, Emails Y'all. Back in August of 2021. And I'm resurfacing this episode today because for some reason lately, I am seeing more and more companies send out emails that are not functional. While they might look beautiful when they're going through the design process, Man, remembering that we have got to get an email into somebody's inbox, it needs to be able to be viewed and accessible on any email client and device, keeping in mind that we have data privacy protection through Apple using iOS 15 updates. We've got dark mode. There are so many things going on. And at the end of the day, we're competing against very aggressive internet service providers like Google that are cracking down on these sort of spam flags that we are doing day in and day out. And so it's really important to sort of have an intervention with yourself if you're very hyper design focused. You know, you're you're down to the little details of, I want a shadow behind this white box and I need this exact type uh, font on my website to be in my email. Um, And so that causes you to make sort of irrational decisions by perhaps building your entire email out of images and all of these things. And so I decided last year to sit down with Ann Tomlin because she designs and develops emails for tons and tons of brands, huge ones, small ones, but she comes at it with a very practical lens. And she's also an accessibility expert. And a lot of times, while we might have the awareness of the deliverability impacts, we totally forget about accessibility that there are folks out there that are using tools like their Alexa or their Google Home to read their inboxes for them. So um, ADA compliance is something that's completely left out. So today I wanted to bring this episode back so everybody can sort of dial it back and go into understanding why these design Uh, requests that we seem to always have while you have to still have function in your email. So take a listen now. Anne, it is so great to see you and have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? 
Oh, thank you for having me. Doing great. And also, what does your uh, your shirt say? Oh, it says email life. It's part of my um, brand new store that I actually uh, created and launched, I think, earlier this week. Um, it's called Email Loot, E-M-A-I-L-L-O-O-T dot com. And I uh, have lots of different T-shirt designs, stickers, mugs, all that kind of stuff. So a whole bunch oh of email swag. I love it. Yes. I think I definitely need to buy like a shirt for Monday through Friday now for clients. So I can just be, cause I'm, I'm also about the email life. So that's, that's yeah. amazing. We'll definitely put the link to that in the show notes. I think people will, will love that. Okay. So as we get started, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, so I am a freelance email developer. Um, I started as a web developer and, uh, Got, uh, was asked to do an email and I loved it from the beginning. So uh, I like dedicated myself to learning everything I could about uh, email. Uh, I started, you know, getting more and more um, uh, experience with through jobs. And then somebody asked me to freelance. And so I did. And then I got so many clients that I couldn't do my full time job and my, uh, you know, freelancing at the same time. So I took the plunge. Yeah, that's amazing. And you have your own um, your own business as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's called it's emails, y'all. <laughs> I am from Texas, <laughs> so I say that phrase quite a lot. Emails, y'all. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, I know. Um, at Email Growth Society, we have leveraged your help, um, your coding excellence several times and it's very appreciative. So appreciated, I should say. Um, okay, cool. So the coding side of things. So I'm just curious, like what made email so much more exciting to you than web development? Uh, I, when I, when people ask me this, I try to say like the spatial element of it, uh, there is, you know, a certain particular width of things and like there's, there's a layout that you have to like keep keep within. So with web, it's kind of it kind of felt to me like everything was just around willy nilly, you know, <laughs> was just floating in air. And I really like the stability of having parameters, you know, that uh, that I can work with. It's pretty much the opposite of what every other developer enjoys. <laughs> I love that. Well, that means it's meant to be, which is great. So email is lucky to have you, I guess. Well, I'm lucky I found it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, most of our listeners, they are e-commerce um, startup, early startup mode. And so, um, you know, the whole idea of developing an email is a tricky one because, you know, they're not as in tune with deliverability and all of that. So I think the best way to, to kick off this conversation for them is if you had to list the three things from your perspective that make you cringe most when you get a request for an email to be developed, what are they and why are they not ideal? So uh, I would say um, un like time frame is actually probably one of the more important ones. Uh, so being able to uh, do an email in like a day is pretty difficult. You mean so you can't just send, an e you can't just create an email, Anne? <laughs> I mean, 
I could if I tried really hard, but yeah. <laughs> no, sometimes the the designs I get are, are very, um, yeah, uh, not expensive. What am I talking about? Uh, like have too much detail yeah. to be able to do it in one, uh, you know, in one big or one sitting. Uh, most of, you know, the uh, emails that I get are very complicated and, you know, have background images or something, you know, really cool about it. And it just takes time, uh, you know, to build those things. Uh, second thing I would think would be dark mode. So you have to design for dark mode now. There's no way, no way around it. Your email is going to, uh, like the those email clients that don't support uh, dark mode um, media queries are going to take your, your colors and invert them either partially or completely. So you got to think about what, you know, what your email is going to look like in dark mode before you start like designing it. It has to be in the, in your mind while you do that. Man, that is such a good tip right there. Um, we find that a lot and some of these colors look so bad, not to mention they, they almost disappear in some cases. So it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dark mode is very helpful to uh, some people, um, you know, with uh, low vision and, and such. I mean, it's a it's a great thing to have. It's just the email client. Some email clients don't allow me to control it the way that I'm that I'm able to control everything else. Gotcha. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'd say the last one would be um, having to maintain brand font to the point of not doing best practices. So if you're if if you have a, an image with some text in it and that text uh, is like a, uh, a brand font that you cannot change, that means it's going to have to be an image which is not accessible at all. So, uh, and if people don't have images uh, turned on, they don't get that message. So it's really important to be flexible and, uh, you know, think of, uh, you know, of fonts as, you know, kind of, like I said, fluid, flexible, you know, that type of thing of, uh, you know, being able to use a web safe font. You should always have a web safe font uh, backup. So, yeah. For every time I've heard this myself, <laughs> I just reach out to you right now and say, thank you yeah. for bringing that up. Yes. It's, it's crazy. I, I guess that leads me now into my question about images. So, um, I find that especially in the more e-commerce retail higher end, right? We see these like beautiful image heavy emails in some cases, right? Because they want to stay true to the font. The whole, the whole thing is an image. And so you have mentioned that, you know, you have the issue where, um, people might not even see the image. So in some cases they could come up completely blank, like, right. Yeah. But I guess my, if you're, if I have a client or somebody's listening right now and they're, they're sending emails like this, you know, what are the best practices? Like, how do you, how does somebody change their mindset? How many images do you use? Like, what are some best practices? Yeah. Uh, so I totally, uh, there are brands that use 
uh, really big images and do it smartly. But you got to, like I said, you got to do it smart. So uh, if you possibly can get your text out of the images so that your message will, will be in front of uh, whoever is opening your email on whatever device they're opening it on. I mean, there are people who um, maybe can't see and have Alexa uh, read them, you know, your, um, your email. So, and if your text is part of an image, Alexa's not going to read that. So, I mean, you could basic, basically, I guess, get a blank email, you know, from, you know, from whatever brands, you know, to you. And then like read the address of the, of the brand or something like that. So it's really important that you get your, your text out of an image. And I know that it's really hard with, with brand font, but it's really important that you get your message. It's more important you get your, your message in front of people. So um, another one would be uh, um, image size. So oh, yes. image size is really important because most people are on uh, are going to get are going to view your email on like mobile, and that usually involves some sort of like plan for you know uh, yeah for usage. So like however many gigabytes. So if you have a 900 gigabyte, or sorry, a 900 uh, megabyte, you know, image, that's going to take a really long time to download, and you, um, so you're using up their data, and I mean, you don't oh, want to do that. Oh gosh, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, so you want to keep your. Uh, images, including animated GIFs. I know that one's hard too, but including animated <sighs> GIFs, you really need to keep them below 300 kilobytes if you possibly can. Uh, if you go over one gigabyte with an image, that's that's not, not good practice at all. So try to keep them under 300 if you can. My like absolute top limit is 500, and that's like, if it's a really awesome gift, <laughs> so. Uh, and uh, lastly, I guess I'd say that the yeah, the don't do you know one uh, image emails because uh, for one thing, yeah, the, combining the last two things I said, but uh, also don't if not even if it's like one big image, if you slice it into you know, different parts of the, you know, uh, different images, just parts of the different, uh, of the of the overall image <laughs> or use like an image map or something. That's so bad. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> and that happens so often. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. I didn't use one image. I used seven different ones. They're just, uh, no. Yeah. No. And it's just your, like I said, your message is way more important than how it looks. You know, I guess hearing you just chat about those three things really makes me go back to something I love about email and the fact that there's like a human on the other end. Mm -hmm. We like have to remember that. And I think sometimes we think of it as this vessel to continuously try to drive sales or conversion. But at the end of the day, like somebody's getting that. Right. And Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I often try to always say, like, put yourself in the shoes of this email and ask yourself, like, would you be okay receiving this one? Right. You know, yeah. if not, then we probably should change it. <laughs> yeah.
Um, so another question for you, um, I know a couple of the clients I work with, but probably a ton that you work with have designers. And we know designers come with their own very, you know, strong willed, uh, feel, you know, brand. It's all about the brand. So right. from your perspective, if you were to be able to, uh, from the design side, how can, how can a company, uh, preemptively think through like how this email could come to life from a design side? I know we talked about fonts and images. What else is there? So I try to tell my clients, uh, you know, who are designing, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, helping if I'm helping a designer or, or anything like that is to think of email as like a series of boxes. So a series of rectangles and you can put a ton of rectangles inside another rectangle, but you cannot like intersect two, uh, two rectangles. Like they, yes. they, there is no overlapping of rectangles in that type of uh, in, in email design. So you really have to keep everything kind of in its own little box. And there are there are things that I can do to you know using background images and and such to get your same look while still uh, allowing you to use images uh, in a interesting way. So, I mean, like if you have uh, like a diagonal line and, you know, there's something that's popping uh, over it, like say there's like a, a, a phone image or something yeah. over a diagonal line, I can do that because it's a background image. And then you have just the, uh, you know, just, um, just the image on it. But there are, you really got to think in, like I said, in, in, uh, rectangles and try not to not to overlap anything it's, it's hard to come up with examples because uh i'll just bring it up if i see it with uh yeah. with clients i'll be like oh this is really great design but i'm either gonna have to do it this really strange way or you know that type of thing it's always it's really awesome if people can be a little flexible about their design so just to make it easy, not not easier necessarily, but more friendly for you know, uh, all email clients. Because yes. uh, every, you know, everybody's opening your email on, on different clients and it's gotta look great on all of them. So the more kind of straightforward you can get your design, the probably the A, faster uh, I can do it. And uh, B, it'll, it'll render really well to uh to everybody yeah that's that's a really good point um just off the cuff here um what would you consider like a simple design like you know how sometimes designers create something and or somebody has a design and they're like oh this is so simple maybe because it's got a white background um right. how do you really what truly makes a simple design in email like an effective simple design a simple design uh, would definitely be one column. Okay. So you would have, you know, uh, images on top, you know, images, text, image, text, or, or okay. whatever. It's so you're not overlapping, uh, you know, overlapping any uh, any images or text or or whatever. So it's just one column, uh, and usually with a header, you know, a footer of some type. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, text or images, you know, in kind of blocks 
uh, is the simplest email design you can get. And if there's nothing wrong with that, there are brands that use that right now. I mean, big national brands, yes. uh, famous footwear is one that I, you know, did, did some work on and they use, um, just single column and it works for them really well really, really well. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Um, I know that, you know, I feel like companies are constantly trying to strike the right balance between like beautiful emails, right? And then you're the side of function. And I think even mm -hmm. from my perspective, right, I'm constantly looking for like, is this from a deliverability perspective, like, are we going to just fire up spam, you know, all of that. And I always right. see these designs that look like infographics or they're prepared for print magazine. And you're just like, oh, man, this is not going to work. So I think right. I think you talking about that single column is great and that, you know, yeah, there are brands doing it out there. Are there any yeah. other tips you have about how somebody can kind of like break out of the mold of and strike the right balance between beautiful and functional. Um, I know the web font definitely is one in image sizing. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I would say probably no more than like four columns and use that really sparingly. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, you can do like a, you know, some row of icons or, or whatever that, that keeps it simple. But, um, you know, I kind of try to, I'd say, you know, let's go for the moon, design for the moon, and then let's scale back, okay. you know, into what's possible. So, and um, if you ever need, uh, like, inspiration of, you know, a beautiful designs that maybe are quite simple, um, you can go to reallygoodemails.com. And that's a resource I use all the time while I'm designing it because, there are so many ideas out there and it's this one big depot of like the, all these different types of emails. So I, I really think, you know, seeing, not necessarily copying, but seeing, you know, yeah. for other inspiration. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes all you need is to see that like somebody else did it and it, it's a right. And then you're like, right. Oh, okay. It's all right to do this. I don't have to have this thing with like 1800 bells and whistles. So right. yeah, that's a totally. really good, um, really good thought. So one thing that came up this week for me that I really want to touch on with you is ADA compliance and oh, like, yeah. you know, any tips here, what do we need to think about when we're thinking of like, ADA. Oh, you have talked to the right person. <laughs> I recently uh, gave a, um, a talk on like accessibility and, and such. So um, when you're thinking about ADA, uh, most of the time you're thinking about people with no vision, low vision, dyslexia, you know, those, those types of thoughts. So the things you really need to need to think about are uh, font size. It needs to be actually Action Rocket just did their email uh, for everyone uh, survey mm -hmm. on. Um, so they they did a, a, a survey on what you know uh, what's easier for you to read and 16 pixels with four pixel. Um, with an additional four pixels for line height is the easiest for people to read. Wow. So 
Yeah, I know. That's super detail. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's great for every right. anyone listening. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, so everybody hates Comic Sans. We love to hate on it, but Comic Sans is actually one of the easier ones to for people to read. So don't you know hesitate from or yeah, don't not use Comic Sans just because you know. Ugh. You know, somebody tells you they don't like it. <laughs> and <laughs> all the memes in the world. Yes. That talk about it. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's great. Um, yeah. So live text, you know, I'm I'm just all about live text. Live text is absolutely necessary. Uh, live text being uh, not in an image. Correct. Uh, so uh, definitely make or put all alt text on all of your images. So, uh, and this doesn't need to be so descriptive, like man and woman on roller coaster. No, you don't need that. What you need is something that's like appropriate for what, you know, what it's describing for what that article is describing. So you want to use, kind of use that as an, as an additional place to make a, you know, to give more information or to make a sale yeah. uh, or donation or whatever you're trying to to do um let's see uh make links look like links this is actually really important and this is such a big topic but everybody wants to talk that everybody has an opinion on all right so, yeah, you really need to underline your links and there's reasons for that so um if you, some people like to just bold their uh their links uh Bold is actually supposed to be for emphasis. So it could be used somewhere, you know, somewhere else for, for emphasis. If you are, uh, you know, using it maybe for a headline or whatever, uh, that's, you know, for emphasis. So, and also it's harder to read bolded text. So uh, yeah, it's, it's harder to read it, to read it for, for people with low vision. Uh, it's harder to read and, uh, yeah, and and it's it's not really used for that since the beginning of the internet. You know, it's bit links have been underlined. So yeah. the you know the people that your your audience knows from the very like you know oldest person to the very newest person that's you know uh, that's reading your your email. Um, yeah, they want you want to be able. I mean, they they know that that's a link. And uh, turning it a different color, turning uh, making the link a different color doesn't exactly work because those um, uh, colorblind people may not be able to see that change. So right. really the only way that you can denote a link and have everybody understand that that is a link, you need to undermine it. Oh, wow. That is such a good reminder, especially for our brand enthusiasts who, who have a vision to it. They're like, I don't want that underlined. I love yeah, that. That's so I, interesting. Yeah, I totally get that, you know, design is super important, but got to get the message in front of them first. That's wow. <laughs> what I think. Is there anything in particular about colors? I know um, I've noticed lately, yes. I've seen a couple emails come through my inbox, really pale colors with white text. And so it's hard enough for me to read. So I'm wondering if there's anything around that. Absolutely. Uh, color contrast, high color contrast is absolutely necessary. So like a uh, light text on dark background or uh, dark text on light background. Uh, if you end up with like a uh, 
like a pale, you know, yellow screen and you put white on it, that's hard for, yeah, it's just you and me to read. So it's going to be super difficult for somebody, you know, that has maybe a, you know, a color, um, you know, a thing. So, uh, yeah, you want to high contrast, super important. So um, there's actually a a guide to this uh, from email on acid. They uh -huh. have a, a little graphic that shows you um, that you that, that, you know, what is a good color contrast and what is not. And they go into, you know, into the real big detail on that. So but if you're looking for just like a, a general sense of it, you know, keep high high contrast between your backgrounds and uh your text okay yeah awesome um i think a oh, perfect segue is to the other topic that's been on my mind lately which is diversity equity and inclusion like um adding these elements into email and so mm -hmm. um i figure that you may have a couple of tips around this this topic um that's what good. are some of the best ways to do this especially for brands that are just like really trying to be conscious and what do they do? Right. Uh, so it's all about kind of, you want to be able to show your customers, or, I mean, your subscribers that you know them and you relate to them and you care about what they, you know, what they think, what they do, you know, you, you care about, uh, about them and you recognize that, that everybody's, uh, experience is different. So, uh, uh, we already talked about accessibility. Yeah, uh, there's so much more I could <laughs> tell you about accessibility, but that is, uh, I mean, that's it's it's super important, you know, to do that. Um, when you're talking about uh, text, you want it to sound human. Uh, people respond better to um, to words and phrases that they themselves use. Yeah. So. You want to avoid anything like jargon or euphemisms because euphemisms are just polite ways of saying what's offensive. So you really don't want to go down that down that way. So um, worry, uh, you know, think about uh, your pronoun usage. So uh, think about using they them you know, uh, or uh, you know sprinkle it in, change it, you know. Uh, you know, for each paragraph or something, you know, maybe you use he, him, and, you know, first paragraph, second paragraph, you know, she, her. Okay. So, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, okay. Images. Yeah. So images are a really big deal with DEI. And so you want to be able to use, or you want to use diverse images every single time. Uh, all right, so you got to think about diverse diversity in sex, uh, you know, I'm sorry, in gender, uh, age, or you know, sexual orientation, um, race, etc. So you want to use, you know, uh, not just the same kind of people, you know, looking over each other's shoulders, you know. Uh, uh, so you want to use that sort of thing, and actually. Um, so there are a couple resources that I can give you. Um, so it's blackillustrations.com and openpeeps.com. Those are two really good places to get uh, a variety of different images. And uh, the open peeps, 
allows you to create your own uh, your own people. Like it has a whole bunch of different, you know, kind of like fashion fashion plates. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like fashion plates, and you so you get to to make all the, you know. Um, yeah, you can make a, a bunch of different uh, different people. So, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. Cool. Um, what about um, the companies that always just use product images, and you never, ever, ever see any sort of lifestyle to that? Do you think that that's okay to do, or should do you feel like um, every brand should try to incorporate? I think that's really just a brand, you know, preference. Uh, there are some things that lend themselves to, you know, to images of humans and, you know, or pets or, you know, things like that. But there are some, some products that, you know, you, you can't, you, that look better and function better if you just think of them as standalone. So I'm not going to tell anybody to use, you know, yeah, I was any specific if had any, any, uh, yeah, any thoughts there? No worries at all. Okay. Yeah. So to wrap up, I always like to make sure that we summarize the most important part. So if I'm a business owner, I'm trying to, to design my own templates. I don't have a superhero like you. Um, what are the three most important things that I can consider if I'm working in a tool like Klaviyo, MailChimp, HubSpot, et cetera? Uh, all right. So first, I would say use the data you have. And if you don't have data, get data. So it is very important to know who your subscriber is, because if you know your subscriber, you can tailor your content uh, to, you know, to the, to them and get more sales, more donations, etc. Um, so also you can use that sort of data to do dynamic content. So you're serving everybody what they, you know, the content they want. So that's definitely, you want to think about that and think about your audience. Um, use live text. <laughs> got, got to push that right in. Yeah, please use live text. Um, and you know, do what you can do with the resources that you can, or that you have, that you can afford. You know, it is these, we talk about best practices, like they're absolutely, you know, necessary and you, you know, oh, yeah. you've done such a horrible job if you haven't, you know, met every single, you know, ticked every box. I mean, these are like, these are best practices. They don't, it's not like you need to, you know, you must have them. Uh, do what you can, you know, and and also do what you what works for your audience. So if you have nobody, you know, that uh, in your subscriber list that doesn't or that uses Outlook, you don't need to spend time on that. You don't need just to spend time coding for Outlook. No, don't even bother with that. That's extra work you don't have to do. So uh, yeah, so like I said, just do what you can do within the parameters you have. Doing, yeah, it's great to do the best, but you got to do what you can do. I love that. I actually really love that. I think that was a great way to end. Everyone's so wrapped up in best practices or like, what is everybody doing? And my favorite thing, I don't know if you come across this a lot, but when um, somebody is constantly sending you their competitors' emails and they want to do exactly what they did, and you have to ask yourself, like, you don't have their data. Right. We don't even know if those work. So yeah. 
it's, I don't know, that was a great, great way to end. Okay, so before you go, um, let the listeners know how they can get a hold of you. Where can they sure. find you? <laughs> so you can go to emailsyall.com. That is uh, for uh, talking to me about uh, email um, development or d design and development. And you can go to emailloot.com if you are interested in getting some email swag and you can contact me there too. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Anne. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Wow. I love Anne. What I love most about her is that she embraces functionality, which is key with email, remembering that there is a user on the other end that is going to need to be able to interact with your email, no matter what device they are on, what email client they are using, and if they're colorblind or need Alexa to read them the email. I hope her tips opened your eyes to even learn um, lean more on the simple side and also always use live text. Time to take Anne's tips and bring them to life in your own email. So until next time, happy emailing everyone.